And welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up Monday, a special Martin Luther King Jr. Day of Service program. I'll speak with three women for whom every day is a day of service. Shania Ashanti Christmas. Shana. <laughs> Shania Ashanti Christmas is the founder of Muse 360. C.J. Phillip is the founder of Dance and Be More. And Phyllis Gilmore is the president of the Woodburn McCabe Community Association. And we'll talk about the important work that they do Monday on Midday. Music performed by the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. And joining me now is Mark Hansen. Last spring, he was appointed the president and CEO of the BSO. And job number one for him was hiring a new music director. In July, the BSO announced it has signed a five-year contract with Jonathan Hayward, a 30-year-old African-American musician who grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. He'll become the first black maestro to lead a major symphony in the United States. And Mark Hansen joins me in Studio A. Welcome. Good afternoon, Tom. So there's a lot of excitement about Jonathan Hayward's appointment. Let's talk a little bit about him. What can you tell us about him? Well, I think it's really, really important to note that Jonathan was attracted to the BSO. The BSO was attracted to Jonathan for all of the same reasons. We're so excited to become a symphony for all. And we'll do that together by dedicating ourselves to exceptional performances, a breadth of programming that can appeal to so many, audience engagement initiatives that are making BSO performances even more compelling, an increased number of indoor and outdoor performances throughout the region and state, and growth of our Impactful Orchids program that's equipping Baltimore City students with life skills and a love for music. So Jonathan's talent his personality, his unique life story, youthfulness, and communication abilities just make him uh, an exciting appointment for the Baltimore Symphony at this moment in time. He's a young guy, uh, and he made a big impression. He's uh, worked with the orchestra twice uh, last season. He's going to be back in May of this season to do a few concerts, and then he'll become the official music director uh, in the fall for the 23-24 season. Um, when you heard from the, the players in the orchestra, when you heard from folks in the, or- in the audience uh, about their reaction to his concerts that he did here uh, in town uh, last year, what, what did you hear? What did they, what did they tell you? We heard from members of the orchestra, members of the audience, other community members who were involved in the multi-year music director search process, that Jonathan was the person um, that we all wanted the opportunity to collaborate with. Um, He's an inspirational leader on stage, and that's so important for the orchestra to be inspired by the music director in front of them. And he has this unique ability to embrace everybody in the concert hall members of the orchestra, members of the audience, whether they're longtime or new, and make them feel like they are experiencing something very, very special. Whether it's a performance of a Beethoven symphony, and he does a great job of speaking from the podium, and making music composed several hundred years ago relevant to the human experience today, combined with his advocacy for emerging composers and artists, 
he does an exceptional job of making the symphonic experience, wherever we're performing, um, more compelling and, and more inviting, welcoming. And that's in the Baltimore Symphony's DNA. As you know, we were founded as a uh, part of, of the city of Baltimore more than 100 years ago. And so we have always been committed to being a symphony for all. Now we have in Jonathan Hayward, um, new members of the executive team, um, ideas that will take us that much further and um, make our uh, organization um, that much more present in in people's lives throughout Baltimore, throughout the state of Maryland. Part of this is also making Meyerhoff Symphony Hall into a hall for all and recognizing that it is a beautiful community asset that we happen um, in partnership with the Baltimore Symphony Endowment Trust to own and operate. There's so much more activity that should be happening in the Meyerhoff of course, featuring the Baltimore Symphony, but on other uh, occasions featuring um, non-Baltimore Symphony musicians, artists, events. I'll give you a couple examples. Back in October, while the Baltimore Symphony was performing at our second home, Strathmore, in Bethesda, outside of Washington, D.C., we're the only symphony orchestra that performs every week in two major markets, we were launching a jazz pilot in partnership with Keystone Corner. And so there were couple thousand people at the Strathmore hearing the Baltimore Symphony in its full glory, while a few hundred uh, audience members were uh, assembled in the lobby of the Meyerhoff experiencing a jazz performance. There are so many ways that this community asset, the Meyerhoff and the Baltimore Symphony, can be further leveraged to make our audiences broader and more deeply engaged in what we want to offer this community. Mark Hansen is the president and CEO of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. If you have a question or comment about your experience with the BSO, we'd love to hear from you. We're at 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wypr.org. You can tweet us at midday. WIPR. So, Mark, you mentioned the the symphonic experience, and the experience of going to a classical music concert certainly has changed. As many listeners know, I was in the classical music racket for quite a while before I started doing this full time. Um, it used to be that none of us spoke from the podium. It used to be that, you know, we came out, we bowed, we turned around, we did the concert, we went home, we had dinner. Um, Marin Alsop, you know, another historic appointment, first woman to lead a major symphony, as Jonathan will be the first African-American to lead a major orchestra. Uh, Marin uh, spoke from the podium all the time on, on certain concerts. Um, what what do you think folks should expect about what people refer to as the symphonic experience or the experience of uh, going to a, a classical BSO concert? I think we're right now in the process of redefining and expanding what it means to attend a Baltimore Symphony concert, again, wherever we perform. One of our emerging areas of focus is, given the label, making BSO concerts destination events. It once was perhaps um, possible to attract sellout crowds just through a compelling two-hour symphony performance. We believe, Jonathan believes, that in this day and age, especially when we're talking about new audiences and trying to bring back audiences that have not yet returned from the pandemic, 
an even more compelling set of reasons. So tonight, for example, at our inaugural Lunar New Year concert at the Meyerhof, we will have more youth and community performers performing before and after the concert in the lobbies of the Meyerhof, then there will be musicians on the stage for the actual performance. And so a robust array of pre- and post-concert activities that augment, expand upon what is happening on the main stage. And one emerging thread, and we're so excited to be uh, approaching the announcement of Jonathan's inaugural season at the end of February will be just this. Lots more pre- and post-concert activity, more talking from stage, more compelling programming decisions that pair emerging artists and beloved masterworks to make it known that if you haven't experienced the Baltimore Symphony to date, you need to check it out because your life will be enhanced. You will meet new friends. You will feel a greater sense of community. And that's what I think a symphony orchestra can do in a pretty unique way, bring thousands and thousands of people together throughout the year, indoors and outdoors, to be in community, to experience sometimes life-changing artistic experiences. Um, and Jonathan, we all know that it takes a village, it takes a city, it takes a state to sustain and grow this art form. And we want everyone on stage and out in the audience or watching through our live stream and on-demand performances to feel like they are uh, an integral part of the Baltimore Symphony experience. The Metropolitan Opera, which is the largest uh, performing arts organization in the United States, uh, announced that they are going to have to dip into their endowment to sustain uh, the seasons that they have planned. They also talked about doing more contemporary work, work by living composers. That used to be something of a rarity at the Met. Now it's going to be evidently uh, a, a more regular thing. Is it the programming that's going to bring people back after the pandemic? Because obviously in the spring of 2020, nobody could go anywhere. Then when people could start coming back, they didn't. Uh, they didn't come back to the symphony. They didn't come back to movie theaters. They didn't come back to theaters, uh, you know, for uh, dramatic productions. Um, is it the, the, the music that people are playing? Is it the people who are playing it, like Jonathan Hayward, that are going to bring people back? I mean, what's your take on the way to convince people that it's uh, safe and uh, a, a good expenditure of their hard-earned money and time uh, to come and hear the BSO play? All of the above, Tom. But I do think that representation does count. There will be thousands and thousands of Baltimoreans who will be attracted to the BSO because they see themselves represented on the podium in the position of the music director of the Baltimore Symphony. Jonathan is so proud of his story, um, so eloquent and, and inspirational when he talks about how music has changed his life and opened so many doors. And that's a very compelling story that we believe everyone needs to know about and get excited about supporting. But I also think that what we perform, where we perform, is also very, very important. So we are expanding the diversity of programming 
throughout our season. Our best-selling concert series last season and again this season is our fusion series that is literally a mashup of some classical masterworks coming up this spring, Beethoven's Eroica Symphony, paired with the music of Coldplay. We had a sold-out crowd on New Year's Eve for a Beethoven to Beyonce program. This is not a watered-down symphonic experience. It is an evolution of the um, symphonic experience that celebrates what we cherish about the classical art form, the music of Beethoven the music of Brahms, the music of Tchaikovsky, but pairs it with unique symphonic interpretations of contemporary artists. And I, I think whether we're talking about tonight's Lunar New Year concert, April's Gospel Fest, or the Fusion series, or our live with um, um, uh, film concerts where the symphonic scores performed live, or our classical and pops programs, it's about creating that many more entree points, avenues that people can walk down when discovering the beauty of the symphonic experience, especially at the hands of our incredible musicians that make up the Baltimore Symphony. It's expensive to hear the BSO for a lot of people. The tickets are a barrier for a lot of folks. I know when I was in the business and at the music, as the music director of the Baltimore Choral Arts Society, the Christmas concert we gave every year, I think the top ticket was $75. I mean, there's just only so there's just a small pool of people who can afford that. Um, it's, but it's expensive to put on, too, the, the, the shows. I mean, we had our ticket prices gauged to what it was costing us to do these performances. Um, uh, you know, when the Met talks about having to dip into their endowment to sustain things, what's the current financial uh, status of the orchestra? Because coming out of COVID, a lot of orchestras uh, were hurting. How are we doing here in Baltimore? Our strategy at the Baltimore Symphony is to grow revenue by expanding our audience base, diversifying our audience base in every, um, every regard. Um, we will not tap further into our endowment, for example, because we don't believe that that is financially responsible when thinking about the next 100 years um, for the Baltimore Symphony. And I, I think it's important that we do a better job of proclaiming from the mountaintop that, yes, this is an expensive art form. We're very proud of the investment that we continue to make in our musicians in our artistic and community and educational partners in everything that we do. We operate on a $30 million annual operating budget. That is a resource-heavy cultural arts institution, I agree. But we will achieve greater sustainability by greatly expanding our audience and making it better known that, yes, while we do have top ticket prices along the lines of what you have just described, for most of our concerts, except for those that are free, and there are lots of those during the course of each season, ticket prices start at $15 or $20 or $25. You go to our website, bsomusic.org, and I invite you to discover that. Whether it is for our subscription classical or pops concerts, tonight's Lunar New Year concert, Fusion, um, our, our film programs, um, anything that we do, you will find very affordable ticket prices for all of our concerts. And 
for many of our concerts, including tonight, kids under the age of 17 attend for free. We will have several hundred kids taking full advantage, I guess it's their parents taking full advantage of that program tonight, along with several hundred parents and, and adults who I think um, really come to appreciate the importance of having as mixed a crowd as possible because that is our future, introducing our music, the symphonic experience to more people, whatever their age, whatever their background, wherever they live. And by the way, this coming summer, um, our Music for Maryland uh, concerts that are taking us to all 24 jurisdictions throughout the state of Maryland over three um, summers uh, will be free. So we, we are a very accessible organization, but it is on us to do a better job of getting that message out, Tom. And when it comes to the Meyerhoff, I can just tell you that uh, I've worked in the Meyerhoff literally hundreds and hundreds of times. There isn't a bad seat. So, you know, if you're getting one of the seats that are uh, economically priced, it's not like it's going to be a bad seat. So. Tom, I, I pinch myself almost every day when I realize um, and remember uh, and cherish that the Baltimore Symphony performs in two of America's greatest concert halls, purpose-built for the Baltimore Symphony, the yeah. Meyerhoff Symphony Hall here in Baltimore and Strathmore and Bethesda outside of D.C. Yeah. What a, a privilege. What an opportunity for us. Mark Hansen's the president and CEO of the Baltimore Symphony. We'll have more with Mark after a quick break. You can join us at 410-662-8780 or email midday at wypr.org. You can tweet us at midday wypr. Before we go to a break, I want to make sure you heard the news that Stephanie Ibarra will be departing center stage as its uh, artistic director. Uh, she's going to become a program officer in arts and culture at the Mellon Foundation. She's been here in Baltimore at Baltimore Center Stage for about five years. Uh, and on April 1st, she will move to the Mellon Foundation in New York. It's midday. Stay with us. This is 88.1 WYPR, where you're listening to Midday. And welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you've just joined us, we're talking about the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, heard here playing the music of Aaron Copeland. The BSO will become, or welcome rather, a new music director next season. Jonathan Hayward has appeared twice so far with the BSO in concerts that were very well received. He'll be back this season in May, and next season he will become the music director of the acclaimed ensemble, the first African-American to lead the orchestra in its 106-year history. My guest is a relative newcomer to the BSO himself. Mark Hansen came to Baltimore last spring to serve as the president and CEO. And prior to coming to Baltimore, he worked with the San Francisco Symphony, the Houston Symphony, and other orchestras. To join our conversation with Mark Hansen, we're at 410-662-8780, our email midday at wypr.org. You can tweet us at midday. 
WIPR. And Mark, we have an email from Susan who says, a few weeks ago, a friend and I went to Detroit and got to see and hear Jonathan conduct their great symphony. We had a chance to meet him backstage afterwards. He didn't know us from Adam, but he gave us big hugs and talked so much about how excited he is to move to Baltimore. So it is a very exciting moment for our city. So thank you, Susan. And uh, I think this excitement is shared by an awful lot of people. Um, and and it's interesting when you say uh, one of the things you, you think will happen uh, when Jonathan uh, comes on the scene is you will increase the number of concerts because this year uh, you decreased the number of concerts. Uh, often it was the case that there were four concerts on a weekend, maybe three at the Meyerhoff, one in Strathmore. Um, that model has changed a little bit. Sometimes this uh, this year it's more like two in Baltimore and one in Strathmore. Um, why was that decision made this year? And do you think that that decision is going to be, you know, will continue to evolve next season? We live in a dynamic world and we need to be a dynamic organization responsive to what we are encountering today and what we need to plan for in the future. So yes, we slightly contracted the number of concerts performed at the Meyerhoff this past summer, uh, specifically 12 concerts, um, but or maybe it was just 10. Um, but what it allows us to do is open up our concert season for new opportunities. Because at present time, we still have plenty of seats um, at our remaining Meyerhoff and Strathmore concerts. We're not turning people away. We look forward to a day when we are turning people away, as we had to do on New Year's Eve for our sold-out fusion concert. But this decision um, of, of the summer of 2022 is allowing us to go forward with concerts like our inaugural Lunar New Year concert tonight. It's allowing us to explore some expanded relationships with university, universities and colleges throughout the region and the state and take Jonathan and the full Baltimore Symphony Orchestra out into the city, the region, the state with more frequency. And so we're very bullish about our future as long as we don't sit back and do the same things time and time again. So it's an opportunity for us not to pull back, but to reinvest some concert nights for better purposes. Um, and one of the most beautiful things about a symphony orchestra is we can do so much during our 52-week season. Over 150 performances at the Meyerhoff, at Strathmore, um, throughout the state. We look forward to returning to the Inner Harbor on July 4th in partnership with the city and BOPA. Um, those are such meaningful ways that we can literally make our performances available to anybody who invests a little bit of time often not money, um, and an effort to um, follow the Baltimore Symphony wherever the Baltimore Symphony is performing. Any art form evolves. Uh, the popularity of any art form evolves. I remember uh, reading years ago uh, an essay by Johannes Brahms in the 19th century bemoaning the fact that most audiences no longer understood the concept of sonata allegro form. Most people listening to us now don't know what sonata allegro form is. Only if you've gone to music school do you know that sort of stuff. He was bemoaning uh, audiences being less prepared for classical music in the 19th century. Um, in the 60s and 70s here in Baltimore, the symphony played at the Lyric 
uh, Opera House, the Philadelphia Orchestra would come here on tour. Uh, people willed their subscriptions to the Philadelphia Orchestra to the next generation. You know, you couldn't get a ticket to those events. Um, and then, of course, that changed because people have a lot more options than they did in the 1960s in terms of stuff to do. Your orchestra, not the only one to, to you know, rethink the, the schedule. And there's a lot of people who think that orchestras in general around the country have too much product. There's just too many shows. And you can't expect uh, a 2,500-seat hall to be filled uh, for four times every weekend. That's 10,000 people. And finding 10,000 people who want to come to a show every single weekend is a really hard thing to do. But in terms of how classical music and the, the Baltimore Symphony in particular fits into the panoply of arts possibilities, um, how do you make the case to this ever-elusive younger audience, you know, that has so many other options? And in terms of music, um, they could walk around with their phone. They do walk around with their phone, which is a mobile concert hall. They can hear anything they want to hear on the phone. What's the case you make to those folks? There's something very special and unique, and as I said earlier, sometimes life-changing about attending a live performance. And boy, when you hear um, whatever is being performed, uh, performed by close to 100 world-class musicians, surrounded by hundreds if not thousands of your fellow Baltimoreans. Um, it, it is special. Um, you can't duplicate that at home. You can't duplicate that while working out and listening to, to, to music. Um, so I, I think that's the most compelling case. We need, as human beings, to um, feel a, a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Um, and on top of that, nobody does a better job celebrating milestones, whether it's the national anthem a couple weeks ago at you know the Baltimore Ravens Sunday night football game, or ringing in the new year, or celebrating the launch of a, of a new season, than a symphony orchestra. There's something majestic. There's something intimate. There's something um, just uh, uniquely special about that experience. So we need to make our Meyerhoff Symphony Hall more welcoming, more attractive to everyone in our community. And that is how we will get audiences of all ages, of all backgrounds into the fold and make a bigger impact on the community that we love and the community that we owe it to because of the extraordinary support that continues to be invested in not only the Baltimore Symphony, but in large and small arts and cultural institutions that make up this incredible city. Let's go to the phones. Ed's on the line in Baltimore. Welcome to Midday with Mark Hansen from the BSO. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for taking the call. Uh, I'm wondering if you've considered what the future of the Super Pops series will be. I think this is Jack Everly's last uh, season, and I'm wondering if you have any uh, plans to keep that, uh, that operation alive. All right, thanks for the question. Of course. We, um, we are celebrating Jack Everly in his final season as Principal Pops Conductor. In fact, this week, the Pops uh, series will uh, focus on the, the music of the Beatles with Jack Everly on the podium um, coming up um, on Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. I think there are still a few tickets left for that. And then he'll be back um, a few weeks later for his final concerts. Jack has done extraordinary things. 
um, building our POPs audience base, um, and we remain committed to POPs programming, um, but we'll take our time, as we did when looking for Marin Alsop's successor, to find our next principal POPs conductor. But the entertainment value will most certainly remain um, even after Jack Everly steps down as principal POPs conductor. Jack's a great guy and a good friend. He and I have worked together many times, and uh, we wish him all the best as he moves on to his next thing. I'm going to give you 20 seconds to answer this question. What makes a good orchestra? I think what is most important is that a symphony orchestra work tirelessly to be connected to its community. Artistic excellence will always be in our DNA. We know of no other way to perform but making that artistic um, excellence, um, this unique symphonic experience available to that many more people is what a symphony orchestra okay. should be doing, and it's what the Baltimore Symphony is doing. And we wish you luck as you uh, continue that important work. Mark Hansen, the president and CEO of the Baltimore Symphony. Thanks so much, and uh, break a leg uh, for the rest of the, of the season. We'll see you at the Meyerhoff. The BSO has two events this weekend. You might want to check them out. We mentioned them. They have the celebration of the Chinese Lunar New Year tonight, conducted by Yu Bao, and then tomorrow night and Sunday, Jack Everly conducts the BSO and music of the Beatles. Next week, James Conlon will lead the orchestra in performances of the Verdi Requiem. That's it for us today. Coming up Monday, we celebrate the Martin Luther King Jr. Day of Service with conversations with three African-American women who are making a big difference in the lives of the people that they are serving. Sharena Ashanti Christmas, C.J. Phillip, and Phyllis Gilmore tell us about their work midday on Monday. Midday's director and engineer is Shania Mapson, Luke Spicknells, our operations manager, Taria Rogers, Rob Sivak, Mallory Pinker-Pierre produced the program. Austin Coglin from Clean Guts wrote and recorded the midday theme music. Mahler wrote this music. Reveal is up next after news at the top of the hour. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. You're listening to your public radio, 881 WYPR.